I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Bret Hart. You want to fight? We'll give you a fight. Welcome to Fightcast. Hey, Fightcast listeners, how are we all doing out there? Um, I am coming to you live from the Ballard Underground on lunch break on first day of tech for Kayfabe, Seen from a Squared Ring. I am here with Marcus Williams, the director of this show, and uh, say hi, Marcus. Hello, how's everyone doing? Uh, we're doing great, at least, you know, uh, those of us here on the cast, uh, while we get through all of our um, tech for the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm repeating myself at this point. Anyway, um, I want to I want to talk to you because this has been a project that's kind of consumed uh, my life and your life for sure, and many of our lives over the past <laughs> month or so, and will be over the entire month of March here in Seattle. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, I, I and I know that this uh, this particular play has really struck a chord with a lot of us who are very passionate about one of its central themes, which is you know professional wrestling. Um, this show draws heavily from both uh, not not just Greek myths, specifically the labors of Hercules but also real events that happened within pro wrestling. And no, listener, that is not an oxymoron. Real events within pro wrestling is actually a thing. Um, so, so Marcus, kind of like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you come to direct Kayfabe, and uh, what's been kind of your relationship with professional wrestling? Well, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm originally from, uh, from northern New Mexico. Uh, my background is in fight directing, uh, the show itself was originally conceived by the playwright Andrew Shanks. He presented it for Ghostlight Theatrical's Battle of the Bards last year, which is a fundraiser that they did. And uh, it, they basically pitted three uh, treatments against each other. And the highest uh, sh- bidded show was selected for their uh, following season. So Yeah, people come and vote with their dollars, kind of. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they 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 picked the show that appeals to them uh, the most. It kind of sh- struck a chord with them, and it gets produced for their following season. Uh, that kind of ha- they brought me on because of my uh, fight background. And awesome. uh, after the show was picked, I was then asked to come on for the full production, and we, that's where we are today. Excellent, excellent. Um, I. I, I as a as a as a fight guy myself, it's it's one of the it's one of the coolest things that we get to do in live theater is that uh, we kind of get to have human on human action, um, right up there close with the audience. And how is this play gonna how is this play gonna be a different from a lot of theater you might see in Seattle right now? And what is the what are the main themes that you're drawing on, uh, inspiration wise, to uh, convey this story? Well, what's interesting about the world of professional wrestling is how much of it mirrors the, uh, actual theater. Uh, there's a lot of storytelling. Uh, there's a lot of theatricality, lights, sound, uh, ambiance, uh, audience connection. Uh, the difference being that at the highest level, there are professional wrestlers who, uh, who play to thousands and thousands of people. Um, I think that anyone involved in the theater world would would kill <laughs> to have an audience that size and to be able to perform in front of such a large group of people and have them hanging on your every movement, your every word. Um, 
uh, a lot of the themes in wrestling kind of translate. The storylines are easy to follow. There's betrayal. There is uh, there are people who are coming of age. There are there are stories of family. There's tradition. There there are uh, there are large pieces of it that uh, that translate across a number of different mediums as well. You have you have uh, the good guy uh, being being the face. Uh, you have the bad guy or antagonist uh, being uh, heels. You know you have somebody that you identify with up on that stage uh, that you can connect with on a human level. And we the, the theater takes it takes it uh, in that direction um, when we connect with a human being on stage. Uh, and in wrestling, they take it just a little bit further. Yeah. It might be a little bit more hyperbolic a- at times, um, but but the athleticism, the storytelling, the preparation is is all the same. Mm-hmm. One of the characters in the show describes wrestling as kind of uh, what I think their exact words are: "It's long form character arcs with chair shots and headlocks." Exactly. You know? Yeah. And you in in the show, um, playwright Andrew Shanks blends. Uh, Greek myth, specifically the the labor of the Hercules, with uh, with pro wrestling, and and it, it really builds upon what I love about this play so much. And and listeners, um, full disclosure here, uh, this uh, disclaimer deserves to be said. Um, I do play uh, one of the uh, central characters in the show, uh, uh, Antaeus, whose children come together over his funeral to uh, discuss uh, how their father affected their lives and find out new things about each other at the same time. Now, do you think that there's just a, do you think that pro wrestling is kind of the progression, the the modern progression of things like Greek melodrama? Absolutely, especially because the especially because of the setting, uh, you you get to see somebody jump into the middle of a, a squared circle, grab a microphone, and start musing about a number of different things: betrayal, uh, uh, partnerships. Um, uh, fighting against an authority figure, uh, def- defying something, conquering something. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, very, very base Greek Greek elements and course style elements in, in the realm in in that particular realm. Especially when when you consider things like, oh, here's here's here are these huge bombastic figures who have these ama- grand amazing entrances. And we have this uh, really stylized form of storing storytelling playing out in front of people. Yeah, I, well, one of the things I was about to say earlier, one of the things that I love about this play so much is its world building. Um, this is a very lived-in world where uh, Greek myth kind of takes the form of the what's called the PWW, the, the Pantheon World Wrestling uh, um, League. Right. Yeah. And so. How does how does Hercules fit into this show? Because it, we did use uh, or, or Andrew did use uh, Hercules as the main inspiration for this. Right. So uh, wh- where does he fit into the show? So 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 Hercules, along with uh, many of the other characters in the show, you have a Medusa character, uh, you have Apollo, you have all these Greek mythological uh, uh, people, beings, gods uh, that are in the play, and they are personified as. Uh, professional wrestlers. Yeah. Um, yeah. The minotaur. We, we have we have we have a, we have a minute exactly. We have a minotaur. We have we have all these uh, mythological beings and creatures, uh, and that's kind of what a professional wrestler is. They create a gimmick. They yeah. they have a thing 
that defines them. Um, you know, they you create have, a myth around themselves. Exactly. You have a character uh, that is the Lord of the Underworld and Kron, and Kron is is kind of a mirrored image of the Undertaker, who is a who's a prominent um, professional wrestling figure and uh, formerly the WWF and currently the WWE. Um, you have Hercules, who mirrors kind of a John Cena style character, um, and they they're they're just just like you think of Greek mythology and a character who is strong or terrifying or whatever that happens to be, uh, you have something that mirrors that in the professional wrestling and obviously the obviously as well the independent wrestling community. Mm-hmm. Now I came up. Uh, as a kid, my, my, my history with my, my relationship with wrestling is kind of complicated because at, growing up as a kid, it was um, it was something that my siblings introduced me to, my older siblings, um, and and I loved it. I bought into it so much. I thought it was real. I you know, yeah, the, the, we all did. Well, I was such a spark. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the, the term, yeah. by the way, there's there's a whole you know wrestling uh, lexicon. You know, of, of terms that comes kind of like from Carney language. Oh, yeah. Bit. So the, yeah. you could almost publish a whole glossary that I should, you know, along with this episode. But um, I used to be such a mark, you know, which is right. for somebody who buys in to the uh, 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 to, to the uh, to the illusion. And by the way, um, we, we, we glossed over the term kayfabe, actually, which is the title right. of the show. What, what, break down for the listeners. What does kayfabe mean? So for those who aren't uh, deeply entrenched in the wrestling world, kayfabe is basically keeping up. Uh, a persona no matter where you are it doesn't matter if you're if you're in the middle of the ring in front of a bunch of people wrestling and power body slamming people and and things like that or or whether or not you're uh out and about you know whether you're at a promotion in front of a bunch of people or if you're walking through the grocery store you know buying milk wherever you are you are your character personified Mm -hmm. at all times and it's because you never want to break uh, the illusion of 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 that gimmick that you've created. Yeah, it's kind of like working at a Renaissance fair, but twenty four seven. Twenty four seven, three sixty five, and that's the beautiful thing is that the amount of dedication it takes to to stick a, to basically stay in character for that amount of time. Um, you know, there there are method actors who would give a nod to that and say, you know, great great job, yeah. like. You, you know, you, you, you definitely can respect somebody who takes their craft that seriously. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, going back to what I was saying, so I was, I was very much I was very much a mark. I bought into the kayfabe right. of the wrestling world, you know, full score. And, you know, as I got older a little bit and my interest kind of shifted, I kind of I, I came to the realization and the acceptance just like kind of, you know, you know that first moment when you kind of accept and it sinks in that Santa Claus isn't real? Sure. You know, I had that moment kind of with wrestling, and right. it, I was bitter a little bit afterwards, I feel like. I, 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 I turned away from the art form, and it's only been very recently with with kayfabe and with, um, you know, people like in my life like Matt Alex, who you should go back and listen to our episode with Matt when we talked to him about uh, putting his body on the line for comedy. He, right. he draws a lot from the world of professional wrestling. I mean, right. he's a huge fan of that. Too. So, what was your kind of what era did you grow up in with regards to pro wrestling, and, and what who were your favorites? Well, I I was I, I grew up during the Attitude Era, yeah. WWF, and the NWO, Wolfpack, the Wars. Uh, Goldberg, uh, Bill Goldberg uh, is still my hero to this day in a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways. Uh, for for me, um, I I managed to 
uh, circumnavigate the illusion of of growing too too strictly into adulthood. <laughs> uh, um, I, I was kind of kept that part of myself that was, uh, you know, an enormous comic book fan, huge wrestling fan, you know, huge martial arts fan, you know, that uh, all, all those sorts of things. Um, so that that was the era that I grew up in, and how and what my connection to it was. Uh, and for me, it was. We, we, we kind of we kind of let go of those things that we're passionate about yeah. when we're younger because we think that we have to grow oh this is me being an adult and I'm doing yeah. an ad- uh, adult things look how wonderful and and grown up I am and we let go of the things that that really bring us passion and that that, that we that we care and can kind of become fanatical about mm-hmm. and for me uh, I, I managed uh, I managed uh, for the most part to dodge so, uh, good, good portions of that. Now, what, what, what that means overall, who, who the hell knows? Yeah. But uh, yeah, most definitely, I managed to keep some of that going. Yeah. Well, what I loved so much about the Attitude Era was that, um, and this came off, uh, this came off the heels of one of the events that we talk about in the, or that is referred to in the show as the uh, as the Montreal screw job. Now, uh, right. first off, so detail to us a little bit. I'm asking you to explain a lot, I know, but um, sure. uh, so so kind of what was the Montreal screw job and and how does it affect our play? So, uh, a big theme that Andrew Shanks uh, incorporated into this world was a real life event uh, that happened in Montreal, Canada. Uh, the, during the during the era in which the World Wrestling Entertainment was the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, the 1997 Survivor Series. Exactly, exactly. Uh, there is a there's a prominent wrestler. His name is Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, he he was set to uh, exit the scene uh, of that of that wrestling promotion, uh, and at the time he had a real life uh, true to form uh, feud. With his with his boss Vincent Kennedy McMahon, uh, <laughs> say his three names like he's a serial killer. Yeah, well, he he's he Vince McMahon would not would not want me to uh, disclose my true opinion of what I think of him. Uh, but 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 basically, um, the the professional the professional uh, relationship they had bled over into uh, their their the personal side because they were in the industry for such a long time together. Uh, what basically happened was that Vince McMahon uh, pulled uh, pulled a a stunt, I guess, on uh, in front of a live crowd, and basically took away the title uh, the title away from Bret Hart. Um, uh, it was not set to end that way. Yeah, the the, the match the, it was a match that was supposed to go one way and then went another way and. Uh, basically created uh, a huge, huge fallout. Uh, Bret Hart spit on Vince McMahon. They were backstage screaming and arguing. Um, th- there was just a ton of real life hatred and fallout that occurred from that. Now, now the 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 bittersweet uh, ending being that there was reconciliation decades later, but it wasn't till uh, after. Um, uh, Bret, Bret Hart's retiring and a lot of coaxing from from all sides as to whether or not Bret Hart should be in the Wrestling Hall of Fame that they were able to reconcile that uh, that pretty huge and very significant moment in wrestling history. I remember being shocked when I was watching the video of because doing research for this role 
and um, there's there's a lot of inspiration for the character of Antaeus that's taken from Bret Hart. Right now, um, I, I remember watching for research his uh, acceptance speech into the WWE Hall of Fame. Right, yeah, and where he's he's thanking Vince McMahon for you know it's like you know he's always he's thanking him for all his success because at the end of the day, even though there was this terrible betrayal that happened, what made it so terrible was that Bret Hart got his start. In American, you know, uh, real big time wrestling, as a right. result of Vince McMahon, you know, spotting his talent and, and taking him in and letting Brett, you know, become this big superstar. Yeah, yeah. You you basically had a per, a person in a in a you had these two people in a position where uh, one one knew how to one knew how to play to large crowds of people, and the other person knew how to market that person to that to uh, to. Uh, fans and viewers and things like that. So yeah. the professional relationship was a successful one in that regard. It, and when you work with somebody that long and when you have two very stubborn uh, uh, points of view, there's bound to be conflict uh, yeah. over a long working career together. A- absolutely. And so uh, in, 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 back in the real world, in, in, you know, after the Montreal screw job happened, I know that it changed wrestling forever. It kind of shattered the, it shattered the kayfabe for a lot of fans. Absolutely. And people had to kind of find new ways in order to be fans of wrestling. Um, and, you know, you have the introduction of what is called, like, smart marks. You have these people who um, understand the true nature of wrestling and that it is, you know, semi-scripted and that, you know, that, that things are kind of decided upon. Right. And um, that doesn't necessarily take away from the grandeur and the drama and the mythology, though. Because Absolutely. Because if you, if you understand going into it, but you you're able to let the kayfabe take over and kind of set it aside a little bit, and, and, and you know set, set aside your suspension of disbelief, and you can you can buy into it all over again. Exactly. Yeah. So um, and and, and th- which is which brings me back to the play because it's one of the main themes of this play is you know when does kayfabe go too far? When do you take your persona, your 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 adopted persona that you use ostensibly just to entertain people? When, when do you take that too far, and when does your uh, relationship with your own family begin to suffer as a result? Um, another big thing that's brought up in the play is the issue, the ongoing issue within sports of uh, traumatic brain injury and, right. and concussions and CTE. Uh, so uh, describe for, el- for us a little bit like what, what element that has to do with the play, and um, what, what, how do you think that sports uh, associations, from your experience, are adapting to that in the present day? Well, so 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 again, your your reference to CTE, uh, it's uh, oh god, I, I I'm not going to attempt to say the long uh, uh, technical term for it. Chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathy. 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 I say it with a mouthful of yeah, yeah, We're yeah. on our lunch break, ladies and gentlemen. You're just going to have to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so that that uh, again, long, long medical term that was just given to you, uh, has to do with uh, uh, continued brain trauma, uh, uh, which comes from uh, continued uh, concussions or or uh, brain brain trauma through through physical activity. Uh, it, it occurs a lot across a broad range of sports, and uh, again, uh, pe- uh, people use pro wrestling loosely as a sport. Um, it's still it's still a very athletic form of uh, of uh, of theater, um, sport, oh, sport sport theater, whatever it happens to be. There are a lot of there are obviously uh, tons and tons of concussions in football. Yeah. Um, I have my own personal experience uh, uh, having played college football and. And knowing and seeing uh, uh, brain trauma, 
uh, CTE is something that can't be diagnosed until post-mortem um, uh, with, with individuals, and it, it leads to uh, – it's, it's a degenerative issue to, that basically turns the brain into uh, mush. <laughs> yeah, for I mean, yeah, for, yeah, for, 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 yeah for, for for lack of a nicer term, I mean, it, it, it truly does. It's a it's a it's a very real, very terrifying uh, degenerative disease that occurs in the brain, yeah. um, uh, and it it, it 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 covers a broad spectrum of debilitating disorders uh, from depression to anger to I mean, death. Uh, pe- yeah. pe- people. People die from from degenerative brain this degenerative brain disease. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that and which is uh, which is just a which is terrible. Honestly, you see the de- you see the symptoms of dementia kind of you know brought on by just people hurting themselves over and over again. And yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it, it's it, it always occur especially with athletes yeah. uh, in, in particular uh, whether it's wrestling. Uh, you know, football, sports, definitely anything like that. Uh, you're committing yourself, you're committing your body to your profession. Yeah. It's not like, uh, it's not like being a writer where, you know, <laughs> so, oh no, I, I, I'm not able to type my script or, or, or whatever the case is. You're literally sacrificing your body in order to, uh, be, to, to compete yeah. or to, to entertain a, an audience of people, that dedication and throwing your throwing your body uh, uh, up and putting it at the stakes. We talk about suffering for our art. I mean, a lot of these a lot of these guys. I mean, whether we're talking about football players, whether we're, whether we're talking about athletes or professional wrestlers, these people are suffering. They're you know they're 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 accelerating the you know the breakdown of their own bodies for for our benefit and yeah and, and and i think i think we definitely need to uh, you have to you have to throw up a large amount of respect for that i yeah. mean you, whether whether or not you uh are a sports fan or not you have to give respect to a person who's willing to sacrifice their body for their profession and, and in a lot of cases i mean for, for me in particular like you you know you know that you're doing that yeah um you, you know the 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 fallout can be terrifying, uh, uh, and and we should you should always do we should be as a society doing what we can to help mitigate uh, those problems. Yeah. And at the, but at the end of the day, we're 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 throwing it in there because we care so deeply about what we do. Absolutely, and you know this is it's been heavily on my mind. You know, training in lucha libre for the past month. You know, it's been. I haven't taken any shots to the head, thankfully. I have. Yeah. I came down on my neck a couple of times in a questionable position, but uh, you know, thankfully that's been the extent of it so far. And so I'm very cognizant of that going forward. And I, I just hope and I wish that everybody who is going through this kind of um, um, field and this kind of performance or this kind of sport and athleticism, you know, was made aware of that. And it's unfortunate that it's only kind of been recently that people have been given the information that they should have. Um, so uh, I, I know that we're kind of nearing the end of our time here, and then we need, we got to kind of get back uh, our nose to the grindstone, as it were, here. So Marcus, um, kind of give me your elevator pitch. Why, you know, if you're a local to the Seattle area, or if you want to just fly in from out of town to see it, and we'd really appreciate it if you did. You know, why should we come? Why should people come see this play? People should come see Kayfabe because, first of all, it's it's just packed with energy. It's a story about family. Uh, it's a story about this amazing uh, sect of the theater industry that 
that people don't often take into consideration. Uh-huh. You get to see a wonderful blend of Greek elements, wrestling elements, family, uh, uh, bombacity, uh, large character arcs, deep hu- deep human connection. Epic storytelling. If you if you were a if you were a fan of live events in any capacity, you need to see this. You need to see this show because the cast I, I can say unequivocally is incredible. They all care deeply about the show. Uh, they they we we've jumped in full steam. Andrew Shanks has presented a wonderful piece of work. Um, we're busting our butts <laughs> and. And it's to make sure that when we put it in front of a crowd of people, we pull we pull you in and you get to sit in this crazy, messed up, mixed up world. And we get to just exp- have a human experience together as an audience and as a cast on stage. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't agree more. And just seeing the work that's being done on the set here and how everything uh, design-wise and tech-wise is coming together, uh, I can already tell it's going to be a really impressive show. This takes place literally in a basement. The Ballard Underground uh, is uh, more normally a black box theater, but the way that we have uh, set it up artistically here, it's going to feel almost like you're in a stadium watching a wrestling match, uh, and you're going to have all the energy that comes with that. So, um, Marcus, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Uh, Please, ladies and gentlemen, if you're local to the Seattle area, or once again, come fly in. You can sleep on my couch. If you fly in to come see Kayfabe and you're a listener of this podcast, you can sleep on my couch. You heard it right here, folks. Now, um, you can find tickets for Kayfabe at uh, ghostlight, that's G-H-O-S-T-L-I-G-H-T dot strangertickets dot com. And the show opens March 9th and plays through the 24th of March. Uh, Any last words to add, Marcus? Uh, Keep the Kayfabe. Uh, Come see our show. Have a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Listeners, you heard it first, and you heard it last here. Uh, Keep fighting the good fight, everybody. Take care. Hey there, fellow warriors. Sincerely hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If so, it would mean the world to me if you checked out Hot Chocolate Media's other web content, Fang and Talon, a swashbuckling fantasy epic featuring HCM founder and former guest Kyle Decker with some fantastic fight choreography to boot, Super Academy, a gut-busting comedy about amateur superheroes, and The Movie Machine, an improv podcast where a writer, director, and producer create a hypothetical major motion picture based on a random prompt all in real time. Please check out these and more at hotchocolatemedia.net. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Now go forth and conquer.